0: Did you know that one in six Northeast Ohioans struggle with hunger? Many people in Northeast Ohio are forced to make tough choices. Unexpected expenses, prescription costs, and rising heat costs are all things that can prevent people from being able to put food on the table, and they are forced to make tough decisions, which often results in hunger. But you can help. Each dollar that you donate to the Harvest for Hunger campaign will result in four meals. So donate today by visiting HarvestForHunger.org. Help feed your neighbors. Cleveland.com is a sponsor of the Greater Cleveland Food Bank's Harvest for Hunger campaign. Welcome to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. It is Monday, just after 4 o'clock. Chris Fedor, Joe Varden with you. I am in warmer than usual Bay Village at this time of year, and Joe is in sunny Miami. How's it going, buddy?
1: I am, uh, you know, one time we did a podcast where I was... uh, Kind of in a resort where I was staying at, and I was like on a little tiny makeshift beach, and now I am on the actual
0: beach,
1: oh. stop South, South beach. Uh, so uh, I'm feeling pretty good right now.
0: I'm so jealous of you right now.
1: <laughs> Got to be perked to every job. That's true. One of them.
0: That's true. Uh, I saw a picture of LeBron on his Snapchat where he was just chilling by the pool in Miami with some Nike Air Maxes on, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, what is, what is going on? He's
1: insane. He's insane. Uh, he's, he's insane. I, I don't know where my shoes are.
0: You don't know where your shoes are?
1: Right. I don't know where they are. They, uh, you know, and, at any rate, they are not air Max. I do not wear those on the beach, no.
0: Well, no complaints there. Um, all right, so we've got a lot of questions, and we'll get into some of those questions as the podcast goes on. But the Cavs have won four in a row. They take on the Miami Heat Tuesday night. Um, Kevin Love has returned. He's played four games since his return, Joe. He's he's been uh, as dominant as he was before the injury. Uh, Looks like he hasn't missed any time whatsoever. And the Cavs, offensively, have scored uh, at least 120 points in every game since Kevin has come back. That ties a franchise record. Um, Doesn't seem like it's coincidence that the offense has taken off with Kevin coming back.
1: Well, I, I mean, I don't, I, first of all, I agree. Uh, but I think he makes them, he takes them to a whole other level. I guess the, the weird thing is that they, they always stayed in the top five the whole 21 games right. he was out. I mean, they were always averaging like 110 a game or something. Um, but I just, you know, he's back and Isaiah's not here. And so there is no, there is no question who, um, who the other guy, right? Mm-hmm. So you got LeBron, and now you have Kevin, and they're going to him. I think he's getting up like 14 or 15 shots a game uh, since he's been back. I mean, when he got hurt, he was taking eight shots a game. Yeah. That um That that's one thing right there. The second thing I thought this was like, yesterday, this, like this is the kind of thing that you really get into. Um, it came up before the game. Uh, that, that they're using Kevin in a slightly different way. No, that's not the right way to say it. That they've added a wrinkle to yep. how they use Kevin. And the wrinkle is they have LeBron at the elbow and Kevin having the hole. Uh, you know, they, they, they've historically put Kevin at the elbow with great They have post up there for free or not post-up, set up for three. And then now they're they're having him as a cutter, and that's been working well, too. So, you know, I mean, he's a great player. Been overshadowed the last few years to some degree by Kyrie Irving. Um, You know, Kyrie's not here anymore, and they're
0: using him right. I thought it was interesting because you and I spent a lot of time talking about when Kevin was actually hurt. Okay, where is he going to fit? Not from the standpoint of what is his role going to be, or what spot is he going to be when it comes to the offensive hierarchy, but would he go back to the five or would he go to the four playing alongside Larry Nance Jr., Tristan Thompson? Like, how were the Cavs going to work through that? And in the short term anyway, Joe, and and maybe this changes when they decide that uh, they're willing to make some other lineup changes coming up here in the near future, but in the short term, it seems like they have certainly settled on Kevin at the five. Um, believing that that is probably going to provide them with so much offense that they're thinking at the beginning of the season is going to stay consistent with now.
1: Well, I mean, you're right. Like that's that's what it seems like so far. I, I think the biggest concern, really. I mean, I think in, in a like everyone was talking about it differently, but I think the reason we were concerned. And then also this, this whole discussion about Kevin at the 4 or 5 is defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, w- we were concerned because it looked like the Cavs got a lot faster um, and, and you know, they were going to play this big up-tempo game and they were going to be jumping passing lanes and they were going to be switching 1 through 5. And How does that, where does Kevin kind of fit with that? Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, this idea of 4 versus 5 is like, can can he take the physical pounding of Drummond and Embiid and B and Todd (laughs) And I think, I I mean, we also are kind of at an age now where there really is a lot of position with basketball, and I think they can probably, um, with this four versus five stuff, they can play him the way they want to play him on offense, and then they can can have Tristan or or Larry give him some help with those big guys defensively. you know, they're still not a good defensive team. Uh, you know, I don't know what to tell you, but, but they're, they've been very, very hard to guard during this
0: winning experience. There's no doubt about that. Um, and we've talked about it a bunch on this podcast. Like, the way that they were thinking going into this year is, hey, we're just going to outscore teams. And if it means we have to score 125 or we have to score 128 and give up 120, so be it. We probably don't have the personnel to be an elite defensive team. So our best chance is probably – How can we become an elite offensive team? And Kevin spacing the floor with somebody setting a pick and rolling, whether it's Larry Nance Jr., Tristan Thompson, and then shooters around. Like, that's probably the best formula for the Cavs. It has been for the last couple of years. It's just different personnel being asked to do some of those things. Absolutely. Uh,
1: In the meantime, my phone just buzzed, breaking news up. The Yankees' first baseman, Greg Bird, looks like he's going in for surgery tomorrow with May affect your uh, rotisserie draft That's
0: coming up. True. If I'm not mistaken. That's true. That's um, true.
1: You know, for you know, the, for like ninety nine point seven percent of the listeners, of this podcast, Chris is in an American League only uh, keeper rotisserie fantasy league, and he's in it because I failed so miserably in two years that I was walking away from the team and convinced him and another colleague of ours to take over my team, uh, and they are now pouring all of the energy and effort. Uh, and intelligence into this thing that I could not and did not uh, but as a result this is dominated conversation around dinner tables and arenas yes. uh, You know, for days and, and weeks and, and the draft is coming up and, and Chris is very nervous and now there's a major injury to a, a key position player in the American League I just don't know how this will impact Chris's life
0: going forward Well explain why you failed so miserably I feel like your approach was completely wrong, right?
1: i mean i don't think there's one thing i did that was correct really uh <laughs> in, in the in the entire two years i i mean it, it's a it's a league where uh there's there's some important place on on knowing uh the vast you know american league minor league system which is one thing i just didn't have i didn't have the bandwidth for right um but but then th- there's a a way of of there's a whole like salary cap system and and salary system um that that is not at all related to you know the players actual salaries or the actual well, actually there isn't a salary cap in baseball um, or, or, but it's not related to any other salary cap like in professional sports like the salary cap is 26 dollars mm-hmm. and each player is assigned uh you know a contract that that is initially decided at an auction, you know, and it could be up to $6, and it could be as low as, like, a dime. And the thing is, is you have to know not only your guys, but you have to know the contracts on all the other teams. Like, the, like the, the guys who are the best at this know all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and I just, there's just no possible way I can pay attention.
0: It seemed to me like you took the approach of, I'm going to go short-term thinking... Who can help me the most immediately to try and win this thing right away? And you ignored some long-term planning. Is that fair to say?
1: I, I ignored virtually all long.
0: Yes, you went um, anti-Sashi Brown on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I went for broke, um, and you know to make the longest of long stories short. I I went into last year's uh, season with a very high payroll. Um and, you know, loaded with old, proven hitters like Miguel Cabrera uh, and Nelson Cruz. And after one month, I was in first place, and after two months, I was in last place. Uh, and and I had no, you know, there. and, and it, 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 by that point, like, Cabrera, the bottom had fallen out, and, you know, I couldn't get anybody out of the mound, and, and so that was it. You know, I punted, I sold off everybody, uh, with the plans of getting out. And so now you have my team with... Um, you have a couple of cornerstones, I would say. I would say. A you know. cornerstone?
0: Don't you mean one?
1: Hey, you got a guy. You got a guy. <laughs> you got a guy. You got salary cap space. You yeah. got draft picks. You know, so I, I didn't leave the cupboard bare. I wouldn't say I left it stocked, but I didn't leave it
0: there. What you're describing, the the approach that you took... That's like Cavs at the beginning of the season approach. We'll go get Dwayne Wade. We'll get Derrick Rose. We'll get Isaiah Thomas. And when he comes back healthy, it was that whole approach. And you saw how that worked out for the Cavs, Joe. It didn't work
1: out so well. Um, but maybe I think it also explains why I like coming into the uh, <laughs> in, into October. I mean, I love the idea of Dwayne. Right. Um, I, I was willing to go along with Derrick Rose. I thought Jake Crowder uh, was a great pickup. Um, you know, I, I, I saw the pitfalls, the potential pitfalls with Isaiah. I did. Um, but, but, but I thought that, uh, he would come back and he would kind of fit in. Um, I, I didn't see that, you know, the entire roof would fall, would, would, would implode, uh, when, when he came back, which is actually what happened. So, um, you know, I mean, these plans work if, if guys don't get hurt, uh, and, and if, you know, the Cabrera doesn't pick that year to have the worst year of his life, but, you know, those are things you can't control, Chris.
0: You can't control it. We'll see if I can become the Kobe Altman, the general manager that kind of turns it around and uh. saves it and see what happens from there. Um, do we think we're at a point here where we can see where George Hill fits and see that he is going to be a quality piece moving forward? We can see that Rodney Hood is going to fit in and he's somebody who's going to help them in the postseason. Are we at that point yet, Joe, where we can figure those things out, or is it still? Do you think too early for that?
1: No, I I don't think we're at that point yet. Okay, Um, but I also don't think that either. When you look at these trades, I I think that um, I think the best player they got was probably uh, Larry Nance. Okay, Um, and and he kind of gives them something that they just didn't have. Like they didn't have this guy that like. This this post player that can switch and play the defense that he plays, but also has some ability to score and shoot. Right. Um, So I think he's good. And then, you know, um, Jordan uh, does what maybe two or three of these older guys were supposed to do. I mean, he can score off the bench, Mm -hmm. he can get over on a screen, um, he can run. So, you know, I think he has. He either has a feeling or his game needs to develop more for him to kind of take that next step, but he's a good player. Um, George, obviously, has had a great career. Um, mm-hmm. But but statistically, he, it would look like he's kind of on the down, on the back side of it. Um, but since we kind of ripped him last week, he's had a really good week. Um, he was good against the Nets. He was great against Toronto. And so you are starting to wonder if, if having Kevin on the floor is going to open up something for George. And if it does, that's helpful. Um, and then the other thing is, is with Rodney Hood, uh, you know, his numbers, I mean, if you take out his rookie year, his time in Cleveland has been rougher for him than at any point in his career. Uh, numbers down across the board. Um, small sample size, yes, but, but, but numbers are numbers. Um, and then he has this breakout game yesterday where he didn't just score the ball you know, I wrote about it uh, after the game. He he also he did it in the fourth quarter, and you know it takes you back to that game against Washington. Uh, you're in the fourth quarter, going down the stretch, and Rodney's got a three ball in the corner, and he shoots it off the backboard, and like that just screams like, oh no! Like how, is this cool? He is in the clutch, and so I think that was kind of weighing on his mind too, and he finally got another another chance at that yesterday. And he was really good. I mean, he knocked down a three. I think he scored nine overall in the quarter and just a lot better than we've seen seen from him lately. So um, he's got a tremendous upside. And if he can reach it, that's a great thing for the Cavs. I just don't think you could say that that you're there yet with George or or Rod.
0: I think the thing that I am starting to see, though, with George is that he's no longer miscast. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like sometimes in sports, whether it's baseball, NFL, NBA, like, once you start asking a guy to do something beyond themselves, you start to see a lot of those flaws show up more. So, like, if you have, um, if you're in the NFL and you have a dominant pass rusher, you have that elite pass rusher, all of a sudden, he's going to put everything else in its place, in its proper place. But if you take that guy out of the mix, the rest of the defensive line is going to suffer because now you're asking guys to do a little bit more than they can. And it's the same kind of thing with a number one wide receiver versus a bunch of number twos and number threes. And I feel like Kevin Love coming back has put George Hill in a spot where he should be. He no longer has to do some of the things that maybe the Cavs were needing him to do before Kevin came back. And now you've got LeBron as the go-to option. You've got Kevin as the second option. And George Hill can just run some pick-and-roll stuff with LeBron or Larry Nance Jr. or Tristan Thompson and be surrounded by some spacers. Or he can play off the ball when the ball is in LeBron's hands instead and he can benefit from the attention that LeBron gets and Kevin gets. And there's not as much attention on him. So I feel like he's no longer miscast and whether that means more consistency going to come his way, I don't know. I think that remains to be seen, but it just seems more comfortable for him when he's not asked to do as much.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it looks that way, and, and, you know, I think it's fairly, you know, there's a, it would look like a strong correlation that he is better um, with, with Kevin back. You know, before we get to the questions, I, I had a question that
0: popped in my mind. Are you um, walking in a hurricane right now? It is so windy.
1: It, it's very windy. I, I'm uh, I've moved off the beach so I can hear you better. Okay. Um. You know. But I, I have to keep walking because it's spotty. So. Gotcha. We're we're doing our best. But 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 the question that I had was, um, do you think we're talking about LeBron enough right now? Um. You know, we've kind of all like signed away the MVP to James Harden. Mm-hmm. Um. And then you hear you have LeBron. I mean, the team up until about the last week has underachieved for a while. Um, he spent a month pouting and, and, and not playing his best, but right. overall, his numbers are great, like we talked about, but, but over the last couple weeks, I mean, he's played five out of the last six teams where he scored at least 30 points. I know. Um, I, I think he's averaging a triple-double since the All-Star break. I think he is. Uh, for, or close. And he's just you know, he's 33 years old. Uh, I, I, I mean, you know, I don't know if it's because we spent the majority of the last four years talking about him that mm-hmm. we've been like, now he's not getting the attention he deserves, but like, he's out of his mind.
0: I know. And he's making it look easy, too, Joe. It's, it's almost as if, okay, when I want to score, I'm going to score. When I want to dictate terms by getting everybody else involved, I'm going to get everybody else involved. So I go back to the Brooklyn game. I mean, the Cavs start 0 of 7, and then LeBron's like, okay, guess it's my time. Guess I've got to spark the offense, and he takes three shots, and he makes all of them. And it's just, I've never seen a guy capable of dictating terms of a set, of a possession, of a series, of a game, the way that he can at this point in time. Um, And I I think it's incredible. Absolutely incredible how easy he is making what he's doing look because it's just not.
1: I, I I mean, I think that's a great way to put it. And, like, the way you said that reminded me of the Toronto game, mm-hmm. which happened since our last podcast. And, you know, it's this, this tight game. It's going back and forth. And, you know, the Toronto bench is young and vaunted. And they got all these guys who are fearless. And and it's late and Pertle Switches on to LeBron. Now, Purtle's a lot bigger than him, like, height-wise, um, you know, and you could see it in Purtle's face for the first 10 seconds, like, LeBron's dribbling there, and Purtle's so excited for the challenge. He wants the challenge. Like, he's not going to let LeBron by him. And the shot clock starts winding down, and LeBron takes it to another gear, and I'll be damned if he doesn't blow right by him and go right down the middle for a dunk, and Purtle is just dumbfounded. And, you know, here we are, age 33 year 15 against guys who are a lot younger than him and like you said when he he just does what he wants when he feels like it he he felt like break break down and dunking on that, that's
0: exactly what he Yeah and I know LeBron's great stellar play like started after the all-star break before Kevin Love even came back but now I feel like it's to a completely different level because LeBron plays well off of Kevin, Kevin plays well off of LeBron the space that's created by Kevin being out there on the court as a five man is something that uh, LeBron is always going to thrive in, so I think having those two guys on the court at the same time takes the Cavs offense to a completely different level and I think it takes LeBron's efficiency and his overall game uh, to this kind of level too. Um, Again, I know that he was at an extremely high level before Kevin even came back, but but if there's a way for him to get even higher than that, I think Kevin certainly can bring that out in him, just like he can bring it out in the Cavs.
1: I agree. I mean, it's just and they're just uh, they're fun to watch. They, they are. Uh, it's been a lot more fun, and of course, winning is always fun. But right, um, they're just it's a better product, and and then that's obvious. But it's a better product with LeBron and Kevin playing off each other.
0: Do you think this stretch? This brings us back to this this question, and I know we've dismissed it a lot throughout the course of the year for a variety of reasons. Do you think this stretch uh, is going to get LeBron some more votes when it comes to MVP? Well, I
1: mean, I'm thinking about it. Okay. Um, you know, I, I don't. I think that that you know the MVP vote has kind of turned into whatever you want it to be. Like in any given year, if you want it to be because of some supreme statistical achievement, then it is. If you want it to be the award for the best player on the best team, then it is. Um, You know, if you want it to be an award for a period of sustained excellence, like maybe beyond one year, um, then it is. And so, you know, I I think that that, uh, that, that James Harden is probably – the, the consensus pick and and probably the right pick if you just weigh his numbers and then also like what the Rockets have done as a team but yeah. LeBron um, Le- LeBron deserves some kind of rec- of uh, of recognition like that right um, and and I'm just thinking about it and you know I, I don't know what I'm gonna do I, I don't know because because I want to make sure that I can defend it. Uh, right, if I turn out to be, like, the only voter that does matter, you know, yeah. whatever, however
0: that goes. I um, think, but I'm
1: thinking about it. I think it, the hardest the thing,
0: thing is, is says, in the past, right, in the past, LeBron used value. He said, I want voters to focus on value, and I think a big reason why he sent that message is because he knew that he couldn't put up the stats of Russell Westbrook, and he wasn't going to be revolutionary from three-point range the way that Steph was, and he was like, hey... Focus on something that benefits me. So he said, value, 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 value. Nobody means to their team what I mean to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think for the first time, he's going to have a hard time winning that argument, too, Joe, because I was looking up the numbers today, and I know LeBron's been fantastic. But James Harden is first in the NBA in win shares. He's first in win shares per 48. He's first in offensive win shares. He's first in player impact estimate. He's first in box score plus minus. He's first in player efficiency rating. He's first in value over replacement player. And he's got a significantly better net rating and defensive rating than LeBron. So, well, see, you should have
1: said all that before I said I was thinking about
0: it. <laughs> Well, you can still think about it. All I'm saying is, like, the whole valuable thing... That argument is not as strong for LeBron this year because you've got James Harden doing what he is yeah. doing this year. All right, got to get some questions. Come on. You ready to go. go? Let's do it. Okay. First question from Tim, loyal listener to the podcast, usually asks yep. a question per week. You ready? Yep. Curious if you guys have any info on how the Cavs view Rodney Hood as a defensive player. What do they see as his strengths and weaknesses – He's definitely struggled on that end so far. Also, do you think it's going to be Corver or Hood starting at the two when Corver comes back?
1: Um, second question first. I think that Corver had had moved himself into a place where it it, it could have or would have been him. Um, and now you know they just they've got to see how long it takes for him to come back. He could be back as soon as Tuesday. But then not only that is like, is he the same guy? Where's his head? after such a traumatic thing, and that's, you know, no slight on him, but that's, I mean, that's going to be hard to deal with. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I don't think they're going to stay with Jose and, and George, so there will be a, a change. Uh, it's just that it they're going to be one or the other. It, I think it was going to be Kyle. Uh, and then the second thing, I mean, you know, with, with Rodney, they see somebody who's 6'8 and can so, long arms, get the passing lane, mm-hmm. grab a defensive rebound, push it yourself. I mean, this is a team that defends by playing good offense. Uh And and that's, you know, that's
0: what they see out, out of Sean wants to know, who do you guys feel is the third most important player for the Cavs to win a championship? I like this question.
1: Yeah, shit. Uh, that's a tough one. Yeah. Um, uh, I think we got some semblance to this a little while ago, and I think I said Kyle. Um eh, uh, <laughs> let's see. I don't
0: know. What do, what do you think? Alright, I go back and forth on this. I'm between two. I'm between either Larry Nance Jr. because I feel like the Cavs are going to have to play small and win the small game with a guy like that in order to beat a team like the Warriors or the Rockets, or... George Hill because of what yeah. you're going to see in the Eastern Conference in terms of backcourt players um, and then what you would see in the NBA Finals in terms of that as well. Uh, yeah. So I think George Hill, just because I think his responsibility um, is, is going to show up even more in the postseason when you play against Boston, Toronto, maybe Washington, and then the NBA Finals. You just have to be better at the point of attack. And if he can't hold his own on the defensive end, I don't think the Cavs can be uh, as competitive as fans want them to be.
1: And if he can, then they're going places.
0: Oh God! Yeah. Um, And and I'm
1: not saying I'm not saying that he can or will. I'm just like kind of. I'm agreeing with you that he's the third most important guy because if he if he can if he can play that role, I think this is a pretty good team.
0: Yeah. Richard says, uh, who do you think the Cavs would have a better chance of beating, Golden State or Houston in the NBA Finals?
1: I think Houston. Yeah. Um, I, I do. I mean, I, I completely, totally throw out that game where they got beat by 109 at home. Um, the Cavs were, you know, a shell of themselves. They were ready to kill each other. Uh, you know, uh, they just they, they weren't them. You know, they had to, they had to make trades. Kevin might have even been gone by that point. Um, You know, the game at Houston was was really fun, and and the Cavs played the right way and almost won it. Um, And they've got a lot more experience when it matters. They've got the guy who's got the most experience when it matters. So I'd I'd rather play D.
0: Yep, I think that's 100% accurate. We talk so much, Joe, about the mental edge that the Cavs have over a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference because they've been there, they've done that, they've beaten all those teams. if Houston got to the NBA Finals, like if you look up and down that roster, they don't have champions there. I mean, Trevor Ariza is somebody who won a championship with the Los Angeles Lakers, but their primary guys, Chris Paul, uh, he's never been on the final stage. James Harden's only been on the final stage once, and he wasn't very good for Oklahoma City. So the Cavs would have an advantage from that standpoint. Whereas if they played Golden State in the NBA Finals, Golden State's made up of a bunch of champions and they've done it together. Um, so I think that every edge that you can possibly get in a seven-game series, I think, is important. Um, and the Cavs would get an edge over Houston just by playing them in the NBA Finals. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Cavs fan for life wants to know if Dante Jones is going to be signed before the playoffs start an annual tradition. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean that is an annual tradition, and I it's, it's funny and like he hasn't played any basketball this year, but he hadn't played any basketball last year, and they still signed him. Yeah. So um, I, I don't think so, but but I'm not ruling it out. I'm not even ruling out Perk, uh, who re- basically retired from the G League and you know put on put on social media that he was coming, and then had to take it down because that was way premature. Um, I think they're looking at. I think they're considering signing John Holland. I think they're considering signing a, a Carl White. Um, that would be your that would be your two spots right there. Um, but you know they're going to beat the bushes as well and 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 try to figure this out. And you can't rule out bringing in a locker room guy like a Dante Jones or a or a
0: Kendrick Perkins. Last question, because we wanted to keep it to about thirty minutes, and we're at that mark yeah. basically. Um, where did it go? Hold on. No, I lost it. There it is. Um, the Cavs have won four games. Kevin Love, his return coincides with that, but Larry Drew taking over as head coach momentarily. That that has played a part in his as well. Chris wants to know what has been the key for Larry Drew and how much of a role has he played in the Cavs winning streak.
1: Well, I, I think that the factor is Kevin, right? I, I think that that's, I agree. I think that he's he's the, the thing. I, I think what Larry has done is he has, uh, he has kept order. If order was there when Ty left and if there wasn't, then he restored it. Um, he hasn't really changed anything. That's not his place to do it. Right. Um, I think he's been fine with rotations. Um, and listen, I mean, you know, he was just in a better place than Ty was just in terms of his health and mental stuff and, and, and all that. And, and, um, uh, you know, I, I think when Ty comes back, I think he's going to be fine, and and I think uh, that Ty's better in the playoffs. He's proven that over his career than in the regular season, anyway. And um, so I'm not I'm not going to do this. I'm not I'm not going to play Drew against against Ty mm-hmm. like fans want us to. But but you know, it, it's a great thing for the Cavs if they had somebody who had experience and cachet in the league that could, that could come in and not let this thing spin out of control. I mean. When that happened they were like I don't I'm not even sure if they had gotten back into third place yet. I think they had. I think they had, they were barely in third by a half the a game and you know they were like, you know, uh a nose hair away from sixth and and all that and Larry's Larry didn't let that happen. So good for him, good for the cat.
0: All right, good stuff, buddy. Enjoy South Beach the rest of the day. I know you got some big plans tonight.
1: <laughs> Just some <laughs> dinner and some sun, brother. Thank you.